I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. Today I talked to Dr. David Ramey, all the way from California in the USA. He's a veterinary expert, and recently he's written an article on fall inflection tests. These are tests which are used in your vettings if you're looking to buy a horse. So Dr. David explains why he came up with the study and his findings. Plus, he gives us some advice if we're looking to buy our first horse. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Occasionally, you get a guest that just gets you so excited, you get butterflies. And today, we have that guest. His name is Dr. David Ramey. He's based in California, and his list of specialities and who he's worked with is so long. But just briefly, he's a practitioner with over 34 years' experience. He's published over 70 times in various scientific journals, and he's written over 13 books on horse health and that is just the slight bit of what Dr. David Ramey has done. How are you David? Could not be better thank you. How's things on your side of the pond? Really good thank you. Yeah a bit wet a bit miserable typical England but um, but really good. Thank you so much for joining us because I was doing some research the other day. I'm a bit of a horse geek. I will be totally honest with you. I'm not an expert. I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to horses. Um, so I'm like a little sponge I like to learn. And I came across your article recently on fall-limb flexion tests. And it's, I think, a different way of thinking of things. So I was wondering if you could talk us through that article that you wrote and what made you come up with it in the first place. Well, sure. And, and before we get started, after 34 years of working on horses, I have to confess to you that I share your horse geekiness. <laughs> there's there's nothing about being around horses that has done anything to to dissuade that geekiness. So, um, but uh, uh, sure, let's see. You, you asked what started this. Well, mm-hmm. this actually started, and, and I know exactly when it started. In 1989, I was asked to fly to Atlanta, Georgia, to look at a show hunter. Now, in 1989, this horse was valued at $350,000, which is still a lot of money. But back then, it was just an incomprehensible amount of money to pay for a show hunter. And so I got off the plane in Atlanta carrying all my old x-ray equipment to go see the horse, a beautiful chestnut gelding that incidentally later became a United States champion. And I, I... came out with my stethoscope and all of my six years of expertise and (laughs) walked up to the horse and 
proudly examined him. And this horse had a, a show record a mile long. It had won all over the eastern part of the United States. And I watched him trot up and down and watched him under saddle. And he just couldn't have been a nicer looking horse. And I felt his legs and there wasn't a bump on him. And so then I went to do a forelimb flexion test. And I don't recall if it was the right four or the left foreleg, but I held his right foreleg inflection at, at, at the fetlock, hanging onto the hoof as we confidently do. And this horse trotted off like I had just driven a nail into his hoof. Oh, nice. And so I was just shocked. <laughs> and so I said, well, here's what we'll do. Let's let's repeat all these tests. And we trotted him and we lunged him and we watched him go over saddle. And the horse was perfect, flawless. And I went back and I did the flexion test again. And this horse went off like I just crippled him. I mean, he was so lame. And I figured, well, I will have the answer now. I'm going to get my x-ray machine out. And so I took x-ray after x-ray after x-ray, and I could not find anything wrong with this horse. So I completed the examination, and I get on the airplane. The clients asked me to call them. I don't know if you remember the old airplane phones <laughs> that you could swipe a credit card through. Yeah. But I called my client, and they said, so what do you think? And I went through all of the findings, and I said, he was fine, he's fine, he's fine. And I said, but there was this forelimb flexion test, and I'm telling you, he was so lame. And they said, okay. And I said, great. And they said, so what do you think? Mm -hmm. And I repeated my findings to them. <laughs> and they said, no, no, we understand now that. But you said he was off to the flexion. Do you think he's going to be okay? Mm. Well, so there I am on an airplane over the United States. And my clients are basically asking me whether or not they should spend $350,000 on this horse. And as I said, he turned out to be a U.S. champion. And I said, you know, I think he's going to be okay. And, you know, nothing exploded. <laughs> and they, they bought the horse. He gets out to California two weeks later. And I run right out to the barn. And I do a four-limb flexion test on him. And the horse was perfect. Oh, Didn't really? miss a thing. Yeah, he went on. He went on for, I think, six years. I said, won the United States champ. Won shows all over the United States. And um, sadly died of colic. But it got me thinking, what the, what the heck is going on here? Mm. So I started... I love, I'm fortunate enough to live close to some major universities. And I went to the University of California at Los Angeles Medical School Library and started researching flexion tests and just found out this information that was all over the board. Like they started researching flexion tests back in Sweden in the 1920s. And I found out all of these crazy things that we can talk about. But I decided, well, I'm going to do a study. I'm going to find out for myself. So I got 50 horses. And these were all horses in my practice, including some top, top-level show jumpers and, you know, backyard horses, all sorts of different breeds. And I did flexion tests on them. Because that's and important, I isn't it, to have a, have a big variety? Because I, 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 just going back to your owner there that was asking you to test the horse, I mean, one, yes, if you're paying $350,000, you kind of want the all clear from your vet to say, yeah, he's amazing, let's get him. Um, but even if you're spending £1,000 on your horse, I, I want that approval. I don't know whether that's okay or that's not okay. So I'm going to look at my vet to, to give me that, that all clear as, as in, yes, you should get him. He's brilliant. 
this. Right. And, and, and as veterinarians, I mean, we, we tend to want to try to stay away from telling people whether or not they should buy a particular horse. But at the same time, you know, we have a lot of experience and our clients are expecting us to share that experience with them. Mm-hmm. And so they rely on us for information. So when it comes to a flexion test, which is a test that's easy to do, I mean, just about anybody can do it. The question is, is this test providing reliable information about it? Can you talk us through the flexion test for people that are listening that maybe haven't seen it before? It's quite hard to describe on audio, I know. Right. <laughs> well, well. now I want to just uh, remind everybody that we're talking about flexion tests of the front legs. Now, there has been work on the hind legs, but hind legs are different a different thing. So just, you know, to be clear, we're talking about the front legs. Mm. And, you know, anybody that's worked around a horse has a way of picking up a front leg. And in so doing, you pick up the front leg, and then you bend them at the fetlock joint, the metacarpophalangeal joint, if you want to <laughs> use, if you want to use knee. medical at speak. The knee. Well, hey, yeah. I had to pay a, no, not at the knee, at the ankle, at oh. the ankle, the fetlock. You want to try not to bend them at the knee too much because the more you bend them up the leg, the more joints you bend and the more variables you put into the test. So you tend to want to keep the leg fairly low to the ground with a minimal amount of flexion in the knee. And then you put some force on the ankle or the fetlock and you hold them for a period of time. Now, I've already talked about two of the problems with the test. Mm -hmm. One is that you can bend other structures than just the ankle joint. And two is the amount of time is not standard. In other words, some people will do the test for 30 seconds and some people will do it for three minutes. So you have a degree of variability in this test that makes it a little suspect. But that's how you do it. You pick the leg up. You tend to keep the leg fairly straight and you put the majority of the bend in the horse's fetlock joint or his ankle joint. What are you hoping to see? What are you hoping that the flexion test is going to prove from doing this? Well, the idea is that we're trying to put some stress on the leg. And so, I mean, you you know, anybody can think about if they have a sore muscle or a, 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 you know, a mild twist of an ankle, you can walk around okay. But if somebody really dug their thumb into your sore muscle or stretched it or something and asked you to run right off, it would be sore for a little bit. Yes. And so, so the idea is that, well, maybe by putting a little stress on the leg, we can find something that is sort of... Uh, you know, lying under the waters, as it were, a problem that is developing that's maybe not causing a clinical lameness, but by stressing it, we can pick up something. Mm. That's the hope. The question is whether we actually do. (laughs) And that's the point of that's the point of of my research study was to say, well, what are we doing? Are we actually finding anything? So with 50 horses in my study, I had 100 legs, right? 100 front legs. Mm -hmm. And I held each of them, and I picked 60 seconds as my time. That's a fairly common. And I did the flexion test two ways. One, I did what I consider kind of a normal flexion test. That is, I just held the leg up and then I for a minute, and then I trotted the horse off. And I recorded to see if it took any lame steps after that. 
And then I did what I considered a hard flexion test, a test with so much pressure on the leg. Many of the horses were trying to jump up in the air and trying to get away from the pressure. Mm -hmm. And I held them for a minute as hard as I could without getting hurt and then trotted the horses off. That's how I did the study. Wow. And the results were really fascinating. What did you find from the first one, you know, from the 60-second not-too-hard flexion test? Now, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but as I recall, it was about 23% of the horses, so 23 out of 100 legs, would take at least a few lame steps off after the flexion test. Mm. So that's a lot. I mean, a quarter of the horses will take a lame, a lame step or two or three or several after having just a regular old flexion test done. And then from then, how many of those had future problems and were actually lame? Well, see, that gets into the later parts of the study. So let me just, let me just if it, I won't forget that question, <laughs> but when I did the hard flexion test, I could make 96 out of 100 legs lame. Oh, my gosh. Right. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. There And actually, two of the legs that didn't go lame were on the same horse. There was this little Arabian horse that was awful to be around. But I couldn't make him lame no matter what. <laughs> oh. But at any rate, so the question is, well, what went on to happen with these horses? Well, I did, I did more work here. Of all of these fetlock joints that I examined, I, I radiographed. I took x-rays of all of them. And I followed them for 60 days after the flexion test in order to try to answer the question that you just asked. Mm. And what I found was that roughly 25% of the horses that I examined had some sort of an abnormality on their x-ray as well. Oh, really? However, there was absolutely no correlation between the horses that had an x-ray abnormality and the results of a flexion test. So you're basically saying a horse that, you know, it might have had an abnormality in another part of the leg that's nothing to do with the muscle that you've touched. Well, I'm no, I'm talking about an abnormality in the bones that are surrounding where I did the flexion test. Oh, really? Now, now when I talk about abnormal, you have to remember that abnormal means different than what we consider regular. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's a problem for the horse. And the veterinary literature and the veterinary community has a hard time deciding what sometimes what things aren't normal on an x-ray, but also don't bother the horse. Mm. And so what I found based on this study is there are actually quite a lot of things that show up on an x-ray that we can look at and go, well, you don't see that on every horse. And you don't. But as long as you don't tell the horse about it, they seem to do just fine. <laughs> then what happened was I followed the horses out for 60 days. Now, of those 50 horses in 60 days, seven of the horses had an episode of lameness. Okay? Oh, okay. Of those, five of them were related to the hoof somehow. So that's not anything that we could have predicted with a flexion test. And two of, the five, two of the seven had a problem in the back leg. So that's not something we're going to figure out. So what I did conclude is that if you follow horses that are being ridden a lot for 60 days, some percentage of them will go lame. <laughs> but I, as anybody who owns horses, that's not a big surprise. If you're working a horse hard, <laughs> you're going to find some little episode of lameness, yes, right? Yeah, true. 
And what was interesting, too, is that the horses that went lame were no more likely to have x-ray abnormalities than the horses that didn't go lame. So what I concluded and what has been subsequently supported in studies is that in a horse that is otherwise normal, mm. now I'm not talking about, I, I want to be real clear because you know, if you have a horse with arthritis and you bend its arthritic joint and you hold it and ask them to trot off, you can make them lame. Yeah, but those sure. horses are usually limping. Those horses usually have an idea that there's a problem, and the flexion test can help you confirm that problem. But in a horse that isn't lame and is showing no signs of a problem, a flexion test is, number one, it's not very specific. In other words, it won't tell you if there's a problem in a particular area. And it's not very sensitive in that it won't tell you if a positive response means that a horse has a problem or is going to have a problem. Mm. So I have seen over the course of my career far too many horses that the owners had, they were trying to sell, that were absolutely fine, that didn't do well on a flexion test, were rejected for purchase because of their flexion test, and then went on and did great and continued to do great and not have problems. So my conclusion was, if flexion tests have any value at all, they don't have very much value. And you certainly should not base a purchase decision in a sound horse solely on a flexion test of a front leg. Well, I feel like my brain's been frazzled. <laughs> um, it's incredible. What you're basically saying is that we should be taking, we don't need the flexion tests. They have no point. They don't show us anything, really, other than if you push something for long enough, it's going to hurt and make them lame for a few minutes. Well, well I think that's, I think there is a good part of that. But again, there are horses that do have problems that flexion tests will make worse. You usually know about those horses, though. In other words, if you're examining the horse, you can go to a horse and say, you know, this joint feels stiff mm-hmm. and, and it, does, it doesn't feel good. And then you flex that horse and he's lame and you take an x-ray of it and you go, oh, look, there's some arthritis in there. Okay. It, it can, in, that, in that instance, it can help build a case that there is a problem in a certain area. Yes. But in and of itself, no. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. <laughs> so should it be then a secondary point of, of research from the horse, really, to see what's wrong with it, almost like an investigative thing that they do? Because when I'm thinking of our uh, our stage vettings, when we're looking to buy a horse, you have a two-stage and you have a five-stage. Is it that the same in America? It is not the same in America. What do you have no. over there? Well, you know, here, I mean, it sounds like there is a procedure. If you say there's a two-stage and a five-stage vetting, over here it's very idiosyncratic. I think each veterinarian has his own approach or her own approach to doing one of these examinations. Oh, really? So, I, yeah, there's, there's no standardization like what you're talking about over here. Well, that can be quite hard for you, though, isn't it, you know, in America, because if you, you've got nothing to judge it by. So, you know, one vet could look at things very differently from a different perspective as another as another person, surely. 
Well, surely, but I do think that happens all the time anyway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so the two stage and the five stage over here um, still don't include x-rays. If you'd like an x-ray, then you have to pay extra. But it's the five stage I'd always recommend because it, it does the heart rate, it does the breathing, the horse is trotted around, canted around, you're looking for lameness. They do the flexion test. Right. And I'm kind of thinking from what you're saying, and and, I'll, and if I've got this wrong, tell me that I've got it wrong because I'm, I'm trying to understand it and hope that I've got it right in my head. But sure. if you're trotting a horse round and it's being ridden and then you lunge it on a hard surface because that's part of the five-stage veterinary service, um, you'll then see if the horse is lame, if it's got a problem already underlying. So the vet will be able to say then this horse is one-tenth, two-tenths, a little bit lame. Doing the flexion test is going to make it more lame so as an owner looking to buy the horse, what am I getting out of that? Some other thing, which is the lunging, has already told me that the horse is lame. So the flexion test hasn't helped. If I buy the horse and then say to the vet, we need to investigate to see what's wrong with it, it showed the flexion test as well as the lunging that something's wrong, then that's fair enough. Let's say you're lunging the horse and nothing's being shown and you're doing the flexion test and the flexion test is saying that it's lame. You're basically saying the flexion test isn't showing us anything because it's going to be lame from the flexion test anyway. Is in some right? cases, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely true in many cases, yes. So I'd be saying don't don't bother with the flexion test. If it if the horse is showing that it's not lame when you're doing Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All the other things with your, with your five-stage vetting, um, you're trotting them around and it's sound and you're cantering and it's sound and you lunge it on the hard ground and then you trot it up and down on hard ground and everything's fine. The flexion test to me isn't going to show me anything different. I, I tend to agree with you. Now, I might add, and I try to encourage, you know, all my purchasers. The other thing that I think is really important is, to the extent possible, ride the horse as much as you can prior to getting it. 
Mm. Write it on different days, at different times of day. Go out before you make a purchase decision. And if you're seeing a consistency that the horse is okay, a flexion test is unlikely to determine that there's some sort of, you know, huge problem lurking beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think you're right on in what you said. But if we want to investigate problems that we might think are underlying in our own horses right now, for example, then a flexion test could be really useful. If there is a problem. Hmm. But it, but I don't see any reason to make a problem if there's not one. <laughs> yeah, we do that a lot. <laughs> oh, I know. Horse owners are terrible at that. But, you know, it's. I wrote an article you should look on... on uh, you should look on my website. I wrote an article called the 80-15-5 rule. And that is, and, and this has been based on a, a, a talk that was given at Harvard Medical School. 80% of the time, things are going to be okay. 15% mm. <laughs> of the time, you might have something, you, you can probably do something about it. And 5% of the time, you're just sunk. <laughs> just, there's nothing you can do. But, you know, if 80% of the time things are going to be okay, we sh I don't think we should always be looking for problems because it's it just breeds anxiety and it makes horse owners get all nervous and think they have to buy all sorts of stupid, needless stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, there, there needs to be a time and a place for just enjoying your horse uh, for what your horse is mm -hmm. you know i mean unrealistic expectations and anxiety are the death of all sorts of otherwise good relationships yes. <laughs> very true very true <laughs> but, but what are your thoughts on uh, my horse was lame he was one tenth lame and mm -hmm. uh, the advice i was given was um, a lot of people ride through that lameness it's only one tenth and and i'll be very open my view is i don't want to ride through anything i always want to find out what the problem is if it can be fixed because there's a reason that he's lame you're not just gonna have a horse that it's not like me if I wake up one day and say oh, I think I've got a headache and I don't I'm just a bit tired a horse won't suddenly be lame for no reason so what are your thoughts on this riding through lameness that we keep hearing I don't think that there I, I don't think that there is a right answer to your question. I you can only have the right answer through what I like to call a retrospectoscope where you can look back and see what you should have done. If you have a horse that has a very minor problem, there are many of those horses just like, you know, you can have some minor stiffness and soreness and and you can work through it and be okay. Mm. And there are many horses like that too. That said, there's really very little wrong with waiting until the horse is okay or investigating what's okay to make sure that that's not a problem. That's more of an individual thing on how you like to get through life than it is what's right or wrong with the horse. Because the only time you know if you made the wrong decision is if you try to ride the horse through it and then a week later he's really lame and you go, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah, yeah. So the safest thing, I suppose, is to... If there's any problem, never do anything until the horse is okay. But, you know, there's there are horses. The horses have little tweaks and, and things just like we do. The nice thing about horses is they don't complain. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, I just think that ends up being a more matter of personal, how, how people approach horse ownership mm -hmm. than it is a real medical decision. I, I mean, 
uh, we veterinarians would love it if horse owners would call us to examine each and every little tweak and problem. <laughs> we probably wouldn't have time for dinner, but it would be <laughs> it would be great for the bank account. <laughs> but but realistically, you know, a lot of things do end up okay. Mm, that's good to hear. It's nice to hear a positive um, response rather than. We get so much negativity with things we should be aware of. Like over here right now, it seems that we've got an infectious diseases outbreak and we're all worried about strangles. And this is the the big thing that's kind of um, worrying everybody at the moment. What are you finding in America? What, What kind of things are bothering you? Well, we certainly have the same level of anxiety (laughs) among (laughs) horse owners. I think that's, I think that's ubiquitous. Um, Let's see what's what's new. Well, you know, a lot of it we we have a lot more regional problems in the U.S. than than I think you do. So, in certain parts of the country, say Lyme disease is a big mystery. Really? Uh, in the eastern United States, tick borne uh, tick borne diseases are a huge problem. Lyme disease and anaplasmosis are two biggies. Where horses that you know, they don't perform well or people think they're not feeling well or maybe has some joint swelling. These horses get treated with with antibiotics, with tetracycline antibiotics regularly. Here in Southern California, unknown. We, we don't have it. Here. How bizarre. So there's, there, so that sort of thing, uh, another example would be, say, um, uh, Eastern and Western equine encephalitis a mosquito-borne disease, a big problem on the East Coast of the United States. People vaccinate for it regularly, um, and there's still, I don't know, somewhere like 20 horses a year identified and have to be euthanized in the United States. But they're all on the East Coast. Hmm. In California, we don't have mosquitoes pretty much. So mm. we don't have encephalitis. Are there diseases where a lot of people are going riding on holidays? You know, they go out and they, they go to the local riding school and they'll go riding. My fear, I guess, is that if those horses have problems or have diseases, you might be able to bring them back to your horses. Is that Have you ever heard of that happening? Um, yeah, but I don't think it's all that common. I mean, it certainly can happen, Um we just had a big outbreak here in California of uh, equine herpes virus myelitis and some horses that came back from a show where presumably they were stressed and put into an environment where there were some sick horses. It's a major equestrian facility. And then some of those horses developed neurologic disease. Um, One of them had to be put to sleep. Mm. And then they had to quarantine the whole facility for like three months. So it happens but it's not common, you know, because mostly when people have sick horses, they're isolating the sick horses away from the other horses. And it's not like, you know, diseases, most diseases have to pass from horse to horse, or they have to, you have to have a sick horse drinking at a contaminated and contaminating a water or a a group feeder. So when, when you're talking about taking a horse somewhere, most people aren't going to take their sick horses somewhere. Mm. They're going to take their healthy horses. Yeah. And then when they have their healthy horses there, they're, even if they did have a sick horse, they're not going to paint you know, snot all over the grounds. So it happens, but I don't think it's nearly the danger that most people think. That said, you know, have your own feed, have your own water, you know, your own bucket, that kind of stuff. I mean, but that's just basic good horse hygiene. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's a good reminder to do that because sometimes Absolute. we can get complacent. And that's when we're in dangerous territory, I think. Like even th- even even in our own yards, sharing sharing grooming kits, sharing water bowls, sharing you know, sharing everything, you think sometimes, oh actually, you've got to be careful, haven't you? Well, yeah, I mean it's you don't have to be a germaphobe, but you know, but basically <laughs> that, that's hygiene, what I am. <laughs> yeah, well it's like O C D. Yeah, well, you 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 don't I mean, I, I remember when my, my boys were in school. Uh, they went to this uh, school close to the uh, close to my house, and I volunteered uh, in a snack line giving the kids snacks. And so one of the kids comes running back and said, "I dropped my bagel." And one of the mothers goes, "Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait!" And runs and gets a bagel. Here, we'll give you a new one. And my son comes in a, a couple days later and says, "Dad, I dropped my bagel." And I said, "Well, pick it up and dust it off. Need it." I mean, you know. <laughs> The three-second rule. <laughs> right, and exactly. And some of the mothers were horrified at what a horrible parent I am, you know. But they're still alive, and, and they didn't get anything from it. So, I mean, there is a there is a um, a level of common sense that we, we you know, that, that's at play. You can't, you can't uh, always prevent everything, but you can do some common sense things to prevent most things. True. And what did your sons end up doing? Did they become a veterinarian? No, one of them is a linguist. He's uh, he's a junior and uh, finishes junior in college, and the other one is in electrical engineering. So they uh, they are both apparently quite a bit smarter than I am, and uh, <laughs> and doing very well, doing oh. very well. And do you have horses in your family? Do you ride, or do you just look after them, treat them? I, I do. Um, the answer to is yes to all three questions. I do have a horse. Uh, we have a four-year-old a warm blood filly oh, wow. that is doing dressage. And I mean, of course, I will admit my bias to the fact that I think she's the most wonderful horse on the planet. And, and, and if you have a horse and you think your horse is the most wonderful horse, I would expect nothing less of you. So uh, this is, this is not a true comparison, but she's a wonderful black filly. Um, she's uh, being trained to go over fences as well as doing dressage. Um, I do ride. I was an endurance rider. So we would do uh, 50 and 100 mile courses when I went to university. And then I rode uh, in the Colorado mountains in the western United States guiding trails. And then I've had I've had I, I don't ride regularly just for the reasons that you were talking about, I'm seeing them all the time. Mm. But uh, most recently, I had a couple weeks ago, I had a chance to go back to Colorado and ride at the ranch where I fell in love with horses. Um, I rode in Africa a few years ago. That was quite an experience. So yeah, I'm 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 a a, uh, a I love riding. I am not a ring rider. I've never. Uh, you know, I've never worked on the formalities of, you know, the proper seat and all that stuff. Mm. But uh, but I dare say I can ride a horse. <laughs> I bet you can. You can probably ride better than most of us. If you're an endurance rider, I think the stamina that you have to have and the strength and also the bum muscles. I wonder how you get through. I mean, after two hours, I am aching and I can't sit down. So how you cope with the hours in the saddle that you do? It's just it. It's like you just get you get used to it. It's like anything else, right? But I've got to ask you, did your filly pass the flexion test? 
I bought her as four month old. <laughs> so I can't even, I can't even, I've never done a flexion test on her. I got her them. four months. Yeah. So all, I, and I've never taken an x-ray of her. Um, she's in, a, she hasn't really done any, any hard training. So she's unshod, not out of any, not out of any personal belief. She just doesn't need any shoes. Um, uh, no, I've, I've never, I, I've never, I've given her some vaccinations. I haven't done her teeth yet um, because she's fine. And, and I mean, I've checked them and I probably should do them at some point, but she's fine. She's got her vaccinations. Um, I, I, she's never been dewormed because she's never, Oh no, once she was dewormed once as a yearling, but she's never had any parasites on fecal exams. Um, and she's bright and shiny and happy and healthy and, Beautiful. No, it's great. Aww, yeah. I'm pleased for you. We can, oh, yeah. if we'd like, I mean, you're just fascinating, David. Thank you so, so much. Um, if we'd like to go to your website, we can head to www.drramey.com and you've got loads of articles on there, haven't you? And you've, like we said earlier, you've got books on horse health that we can find. Where can we find those? Are they on like Amazon? Amazon will have them for sure. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I've got to update them. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, I, I just bought out the last copies of four of them, and I'm going to post on my Facebook page, which is David Ramey DVM. I'm going to be op- offering people the opportunity to buy copies of the last four, which were on navicular disease, respiratory disease, laminitis, and medications and supplements for horses. So if you go to my Facebook page, again, David Ramey DVM, uh, I'd love it if you liked my page. But, uh, you know, take a look for that, too, and we'll have the opportunity to send some books out. I'm going to charge people all of one U.S. dollar per book. Are you kidding me? Oh, well, that nah. makes, I was just about to say good luck trying to get those books because I'm going on there now to get them. But now that you're only selling them for a dollar, I'd feel bad and I'm going to have to let uh, someone else. So maybe we can, oh. like, share them or something. We can, have a, we can have a horse hour book reading session of your, ah, your books. Well, I, I would love to chat with you anytime. It's Aww. just been a delight. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for reaching out to me. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, can we follow you on Twitter? Um, I do have I do have a Twitter, um, and I think it's I think it's Dr. Ramey. Okay. I it, things um, the I, I I don't tweet very often, um, but I I post an article on Facebook regularly, at least once a week. Okay, so awesome. that, that's a good place to, to find me. And then the Twitter feeds go out from there. So, yes, by all means, you can find me on Twitter. And, and this social media thing is so much fun. Um, I, I posted one. I had a client send me a picture of their horse's manure because they were worried about they thought something might be a parasite. And it turns out it was just a garden variety earthworm. But uh, <laughs> They sent me this picture, and I texted them back, and then I posted that picture, and I said, I bet I'm the only person who gets pictures of horse poop and is happy for it. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I've done that, to be fair. I have. Yeah, there you go. I've I've taken the photo and then thought I'd looked on Google to see if I could find any matching worms to see if it matched. Um, right. But I'd I'd love to have a vet like you where I could just send you a picture and be like, is this okay? To be fair, our vets, my vets are amazing. I'm very very lucky, um, and they are 
yeah they're they're really hot on their knowledge they have to be because they have um person like me who's quite paranoid and psychotic so <laughs> well you you there you're certainly not alone in the horse world and you know there are there are lots and lots of good dedicated veterinarians out there i mean i'm i i happen to have a particularly big mouth i think so and i <laughs> love to write and i love to share my experience um it's been my my experience that horses always have problems and so I don't have to worry about creating them for my clients and I love sharing my knowledge and and I love horses and you know when when horse owning becomes a source of anxiety and becomes too expensive then people don't want to own horses and that's bad for horses Mm. And it's also bad for people because I think horse people are some of the most fun people I've ever been around. (laughs) It's been a pleasure, David. Thank you so, so much. And uh, back to your website, drramey.com. We can follow you on Facebook and on Twitter. And we're going to share some of your articles as well. So I hope you have a lovely day in California. Thanks so much. And I hope it dries up where you are. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, you can hear performance sports psychologist Charlie Unwin. I've talked about him a few times over the last few weeks because we have been discussing psychology and the different effects that our brains can have on our riding. So uh, Charlie gives us some advice both on the horse and off the horse of how we can focus more on our mind, what we're thinking and how it will hopefully improve our riding. So you can catch that episode on Acast, iTunes and our website horsehour.co.uk. If you you enjoyed the episode with Dr. David Ramey on fall inflection tests, then you can check out his article on our website, as well as all the events that have been happening over the weekend. Shane Rose won at Gatcombe. It was the Festival of British Eventing this weekend, and uh, he rode Sam Griffith's Happy Times, and together they were a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so massive congratulations, Shane. You can read the article on horsehour.co.uk. Gemma Tattersall won the British Open Championships at Gatcombe this weekend on her gorgeous horse Arctic Soul. This horse is just phenomenal. You would have seen him at the Olympics riding with Gemma and they're just such a lovely partnership together. And so I'm really, really pleased for Gemma. Congratulations. You can also catch up on the Global Champions Tour, the London leg. Scott Brash and Ben Mayer both secured top spots in the show jumping, which is very exciting. There's so much going on and all of it is on our website, horsehour.co.uk along with lower level riders as well. Riders are currently battling it out for the Hoys wild card. So if you're going to Horse of the Year show, then all the championships are going on right now, which means you could be selected to go to Horse of the Year show, which is very, very exciting. Tickets are on sale already and they sell out pretty quickly. So if you would like to go to Hoys, then uh, check out their website, hoys.co.uk and get your tickets now so you get good seats. There's also information from the Blue Cross because they've had some baby foals that have been born that have recently been weaned from their parents and these gorgeous little coloured foals are looking for new homes so if you think that you have a lovely home you can offer them a forever home then do contact the Blue Cross all details are on our website and of course on um, our Twitter at Horse Hour keep telling us what you've been up to with your horse love to see your journeys and your stories just use the hashtag horse hour and as always you can tag me i'm at amy stevenson one i hope you have a great week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon you've been listening to horse hour 
Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.